Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 2. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars and its newly released sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Volume 2, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, Community Director for the online review site, Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. So don't worry about tomorrow, take it for today, forget about the chat, we'll get hell to pay, have a drink on me. Welcome. Today, we have Marsh and Jan McTari from Raywell Gin on the show to talk about their great new product. So welcome, Marsh and Jan. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's great. How's it? Uh, you guys are down in Southern California, right? Yeah, we're in sunny Manhattan Beach right now. So so we're here to talk about gin, right? My favorite subject. There we go. Well, it's it's a good thing or a bad thing, right? No, it's always a good thing. But uh, anyway, your gin's a little bit different because you took kind of a different slant to it. Yeah, well, look, I, I think the biggest difference is most gin that we, as soon as you say that word, you conjure up the wonderful London dries, which have synonymously made us either all love or hate gin, period. This gin is a little different. We use fresh botanicals. We're using botanicals found right along the migratory path of the beautiful Californian gray whale. We've got things like kombu sea kelp, almonds, a lot of citrus in this, fresh citrus. So you have a totally different flavor profile, but yet it's still gin because our our juniper berries come from Big Sur. So it it really is a quote unquote London dry, but a new Western take on it, I guess, if you like. Right. And London dry is actually a legal definition, meaning that all natural botanicals, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. London dry really means that all all of the botanicals are used in a one shot London dry distillation technique. In other words, all of the all of the flavor is derived from one distillation. So it's not compounded after the fact where we add certain ingredients and blend it afterwards. It's it's a really hard way to make it. And, And if you really think about what gin is. Gin is just some vodka with a tea bag in it that, that's been distilled, which means it's gone from a liquid to a vapor and back to a liquid. That's all That's all it is, basically. Right. Essentially, juniper-flavored vodka. There you go. Yes. And uh, you, know, the, you know, I do a lot of in-store tastings telling people about this gray whale gin. And I, I will often say, hey, I've got this wonderful Californian gin. Would you like to try it? And people go, oh, gin? No. And they'll, they'll walk away and I go, well, I do have this juniper vodka if you want to try it. And they go, oh, that sounds amazing. And they'll try it because they have no idea. It's funny how people get ingrained uh, uh, beliefs about certain products. And gin is one of those, right? I mean, gin totally. in, in America has often been high proof and can be a little rougher around the edges where this newer era of gin is is more botanical driven and a little lighter on the palate, perhaps. It's, it's a different, it's kind of a different product. It, it kind of is. And, you know, I think Jen and I, when we first came up with this product, we we didn't want to make just another gin. You know, there's something special about California. There's something special about this wonderful state. I mean, forget the political jargon because we're recording this and we're still we still don't know who our president is right now. But right. The, the, the wonderful thing about California is our coastline. We've got Silicon Valley where we lead the, the world in innovation and environmental activism. And there's just something so damn cool about it. So we didn't want to create just another gin that tasted like everywhere else because we're not in a state. State that's like everywhere else. We're in a, a truly unique state. And this really is, a, if I was going to sum it up, it, it's I love you, California, Jim. I mean, that's, that's simply put. <laughs> well, there's a lot to love. I mean, a lot of, if you've not been to California, California is a, a culinary nexus. You know, you can get almost anything you want any time of the year 
all over the state. And much of it is grown here, produced here. It's it's really astounding. It is. And that was really part of our inspiration for starting the distillery and starting Grey Whale Gin was we were up in Napa at, at a wedding and obviously tasting a lot of incredible wine and food. And when we looked around to find local spirits, there weren't too many distilleries and there certainly weren't any that were celebrating California, um, being sourced from California and made in California. And as Marsh said, really a taste experience of the journey through California. There are a lot of products made here, but uh, sometimes they don't actually represent what California is. And so I think that's one of the things that your gin certainly does. And, you know, I, in my bartending career, I, I'm pretty familiar with gin as a product. And I was even shocked to learn something last time I took, because Marsh actually did a demonstration at one of the restaurants I work at. That's how, how we actually met. And I was so impressed with the demonstration that, you know, we, we talked later on. But one of the things that surprised me was I didn't know almonds were a primary ingredient in gin. And that kind of caught me off guard. And I actually went back and read a lot of gin bottles. And sure enough, it's in there. Can you explain a little bit about why that in particular is it is in your gin and, and its its historical relevance? So essentially, almonds have been used a lot in, in the past in gin. It uh, it can add viscosity to the liquid, to that base spirit, that, that vodka, if you like. The mouthfeel, right? It's exactly, the, the mouthfeel. And for us personally, it was... Um, I used to host a Food Network show, and the very first thing you do as a chef, whether you're Italian, whether you're French, is you either put, if you're Italian, you're putting olive oil in a frying pan. If you're French, it's usually butter or cream. It's your fat component. You're building off that fat to be able to allow the other flavors to have a, a kind of a blank canvas to shine. So for us, when we first started playing with this, and not coming from the alcohol industry at all, just coming from um, flavor industry, and, and by the way, we drank a lot of gin, so um, <laughs> I went all over the world to learn how to distill. And, and I kind of went back to the culinary kind of backbone of, yes, we need the fat component, but we went a lot higher than a lot most of the gins. That's why when you taste this gin on the finish, uh, it lingers, that wonderful creamy mouthfeel of the Californian almonds. We make 86% of the world's almonds. It just felt right to put a little bit in this gin. And just, just to kind of close the loop on this environmental thing, because we do support ocean conservation with this gin, but that the almonds are... are kind of well known as being a bit of a water suck. We only use about a, a pint of almonds in, a, in an entire batch, which is about a thousand cases, 6,000 bottles. So not very many almonds. So it, it, the distillation process removes the allergen aspect of it, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the allergen doesn't come across during the um, during the distillation. Once it turns into a vapor, the, the molecule that actually causes um, the allergies does not transfer into the air. So it stays in the, the solution. And um, when we condense it on the other side, it's allergen free. And weirdly enough, we've... <laughs> I don't mean to say we human trial this, but we've had several people that have severe nut allergies that have tried it and have, you know, had the EpiPen ready and they're totally fine. But I will put out a disclaimer. Please drink it with caution. Yes. I mean, you know, as, as I should always say. Yes, that's true with anything, right? I mean, I, exactly. you know, if you're worried about it, then take appropriate precautions. Never believe what somebody else just tells you, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, let's go back to your uh, the, the genesis of this. So you, had, you, you did a Food Network show and you also on uh, National Gra uh, Geographic's uh, Perilous Journeys. How did you yeah. go from that to making gin? We were on a camping trip up in Big Sur. You know, this is right off that trip that Jan just talked about up in Napa, where we were at a wedding. We had the kids with us. So this beautiful end, we were coming back down to where we live, down in the south of California. And Big Sur is this rocky, gorgeous coastline. We're in a 
such a beautiful spot. It's called McQuay Falls, where a waterfall is literally flying into the Pacific Ocean. We're looking over the cliffs. I'm reading Harry Potter to the kids, and you know we, we're seeing whales in the distance. And you know what it is? It's when you're when you're on vacation, when you have those moments of I'm not dealing with my nine to five. I'm not in front of a camera. That's when you start to have these conversations about what are we doing with our lives? How do we how do we give back to this beautiful coastline? How do we make our kids proud? So I'm, I'm going to pause and go, we started a booze business for our kids. So there's going to be a lot of issues later on when they're, they're older. But, but Jan, if you want to take over from here, what how we kind of ended up going down the, the gray whale route. You know, on that cliff edge, Marsh and I talked about how can we combine our superpowers to craft something that we're proud of, craft something that brings people joy and that, that does good in the world so that our, that our daughters are proud of it. So I've had 20 year career in advertising and marketing um, and graphic design and product design. And as you talked about, Marsh has a background in the culinary and adventure world, but also um, in the science world. He has a medical physics degree. Our, our shared superpower is we love gin. So we're sitting <laughs> on that cliff edge. Um, and thinking about how we could combine those superpowers. So, you know, we took a deep dive into both of our areas of expertise. I took a deep dive into product design and brand storytelling and, and how could we tell this story. Well, the thing about gin, too, is uh, gin has a taste. I mean, you know, vodka, uh, for all that it is, is the absence of taste. That's kind of the general thing. So if you're looking for something uh, for a distinctive product, you, it would make sense to make a gin because, again, you're adding flavors as opposed to removing flavors. Exactly right. And, and you know, we, we really wanted to capture the whole state of California. And, and this, you know, this beautiful creature from Baja to the Arctic and back again, it hugs our coastline. I mean, nothing says I love you, California, than, than hugging the coastline. So we, we quite literally foraged all of our ingredients that go into this gin from that migration path, the Big Sur Juniper. You'll see it on the front of this bottle. And for, for listeners that are kind of going, well, what does this thing look like? It's a beautiful aqua blue bottle. Oh, it's spectacular. <laughs> Thank you. With a white little whale tail on the front. And if you look closely at the whale tail, you'll see a little Easter egg. You'll see the, the Pacific coastline right in there. And you'll see six little dots right along that coastline. And that's actually where we get the ingredients. And you'll see the juniper berries are from Big Sur, the limes. Depending on which bottle you got, it'll either say Temecula or Baja California. We, we actually... Um, we outgrew the Baja California little orchard uh, down there. We couldn't get enough limes from them, so we switched to an organic farm in Temecula. And the fir trees are from right outside the distillery. Th those beautiful fir trees are indicative of the Pacific Northwest, where this whale kind of makes that journey through Oregon and Washington. It's that piney coastal. We, we actually get ours from a little Christmas tree farm right outside the distillery. We get them for free. And th then we go into the water up in Mendocino. We get our, our sea kelp from uh, Mendo. And that sea kelp is kombu. That's a base ingredient in a miso soup or a ramen. It's that umami. Yeah, exactly. Hit, hit the nail on the head. Then we get some mint from Santa Cruz. It's actually Pescadero. It's an organic little farm up in Pescadero. And then as, as you know, I mentioned those almonds earlier from Cape Hills Orchard, an organic almond orchard up in the northern, northern Central Valley. The, the great thing, like I said, about that bottle is it, it, it virtually shines on a bar shelf because of the most lighting in most bars. It's really pretty eye-catching. You know, I mean, you. You, you see a lot of stuff in, in the liquor business, but uh, that is a, an exceptionally well-designed product. It's all jam. And, you know, we, we when we were 
designing this bottle, and, and by the way, we sold our house to do this. We didn't come from money. We, you know, Jen and I went all chips in on this thing. And I was in a local Ralph's, which is a little grocery store down in Southern California. And I put the bottle with liquid in it. It was water at the time. And I, it didn't have any back label on it. And I put it up right next to Hendrix. And I, I stood in the aisle waiting for somebody to buy gin. And oddly enough, you have to wait quite a while because there's not everybody <laughs> walking in buying gin. I'm standing there, creepy dude, in the, in the booze aisle for about 45 minutes until... <laughs> Thank God this lady walks down the aisle and she reaches for Hendrix and then pauses and then picks up this bottle. And I got goosebumps and I almost teared up. I went over and gave her my card and I, I asked her, why did you pick it up? And she said, oh, it, it was just this beautiful blue. And I and, and I asked her, did you see the coastline in the in the whale tail? She went, oh my God, that's beautiful. I didn't see it. No. She was about to put it in a basket. So I gave her a card and I've since given her a couple of bottles. But, you know, that's that's exactly what you're basically saying. You know, we, we looked at it from 20 yards back in a bar as well before we even launched and does this thing pop? Are people going to ask for this? Because right. we didn't we didn't have the money to you know market this, and our, our marketing was all in the bottle. And I think it's a testament to what Jan did. There's something about it that just makes people want to have it in the bar cart, even if they don't like gin. They're they're like, oh, I bought it because it looked pretty. We all taste with our eyes first, right? Whenever yeah. you know, whatever whether it's food or cocktails, if something's delivered to us, we look at it first and immediately have a visceral reaction of what whether we're going to like it. Now that can change after we taste it, obviously, but. For First, that's there's that, and then you have to deliver on the palate too, and that's that's again something that the, that your gin does because it does it again. It's that newer, more fruit or herb driven style rather than big heavy on the juniper. Correct. Yes, it's. It, I, I like to say it's very balanced. You know, I don't know how many gins, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but. I, I've certainly not just drank a bunch of gin on, on the rocks. Usually I'm mixing it in either a martini or a, or a gin and tonic. But this one, truly, you can you can just pour over some ice and kind of taste your way along the Pacific and think about those six botanicals on the front of the bottle. But yeah, it's different. It it, it doesn't want to be the same as everybody else. And I, I think there's something unique about that. Uncomplicated, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, and again, the idea is that, you know, gin, gin drinks are typically mixed to kind of offset some of the flavor profiles that people don't like. So if you don't, if you don't have those offs if you don't need to offset those in the first place you're way ahead of the game exactly right and, I, and, and you know your, your bartending mixology background most of the greatest bartenders don't particularly like to use vodka they like to use gin because it allows a depth of flavor that you can't get with vodka you have to add things you have to add tinctures and and everything else to it and so I, you know i say it to the uninitiated all the time i say vodka is your wonder bread gin is your rosemary encrusted herbaceous bread which one do you want <laughs> That's an excellent analogy. And you're right. That's, the thing is, is vodka is a blank canvas. So then you have to add stuff on. And sometimes you don't want to do that, right? I mean, you know, that's a lot of work. So if you're a consumer, it's nice to have something that's been put together well-balanced, just like wine. You don't want to have to modify your wine to drink it. Why would you want to modify your spirit all that much? I agree with you. And, and the calories that you have to add when, when you're mixing with other things as well. So we're getting a lot of CrossFit folks telling us, oh my gosh, I, finally a, a gin I can just drink on the rocks and, and have very, very little calories in that. Of course. Yeah. Well, the calories are in the mixer. You know, tonic water, even though it's it sounds it says water, is still have a, has a lot of calories in it. Exactly. And those those type of additives are, are, are kind of the, the problem when it comes to caloric content for alcohol drinks. Real quick, which CrossFit gym is in, encouraging uh, drinking your gin? <laughs> and, and how do I find it? I think every single CrossFit gym, the, the reason people go to CrossFit is to earn their booze. That is it. Plain and simple. There's no reason to do muscle ups and God knows what else unless you're going to be rewarded with some nice booze at the end of it. So would you call that a gym and tonic? I would. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well done. <laughs> That's why you're here, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Again, your uh, your background is is you're in that the great commercial. The squirrels are in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, that Geico commercial. Funnily enough, I, I shot that Geico commercial four years ago, and I never thought it was going to be as because I never met the mom character, Cindy Drummond. She is exceptional, by the way, and apparently she uh, and and for the, the listeners that don't know what we're talking about, it's a Geico commercial where I'm beating up bad guys. I play a secret agent, and then my mom calls, and the squirrels are back in the attic. <laughs> and uh, most people have seen it just out of the sheer volume of times that thing has aired. But yeah, what a what a nice surprise, especially, you know, gosh, during COVID to be blessed with it rerunning again. Uh, yes. I, I get paid every time it airs. So it's it's been a nice blessing for us. Well, it's also kind of a tribute to, you know, Sean Connery's recent passing, right? Even though, you know, Bond was famous for vodka martinis, martinis are still primarily gin in the bartending world, uh, at least from a bartending standpoint. And, you know, secret agents and and, and martinis go together like like secret agents and martinis. Jeff, I'm, I'm in love with you right now. Thanks for being <laughs> in, the same, in the same sentence as Sean Connery. And, <laughs> although well, you know your wife's wrong. on this right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was just going to add that uh, Sean Connery kind of got it wrong in terms of the, the shaken, not stirred, but you know, each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, extrapolate on that. What do you mean by that? Well, any cocktail that has citrus in it should be shaken. Most cocktails that don't have citrus, they, they need to be stirred. And James Bond, as, as tough as he is, I think there was an actual reason for it, by the way, being a fellow spy, I might add. Uh, <laughs> the reason he wanted it shaken was because he wanted more dilution. He needed to be more alert. He needed to be able to shoot that gun correctly and, and not, not miss his target. So I think that's why he wanted it shake a little bit more dilution. The other thing is shaking tends to, to uh, certain drinks like Manhattans or whatnot, you know, they cloud up if you shake them. So the clarity of the drink is one of the hallmarks of the of the martini. And the other thing with Bond was that he was going against the grain, that all drinks at the time were stirred. Exactly. He was being different. That was kind of the whole thing. It's funny now because everybody wants them shaken and they're all the same that way, which is contrary to exactly what he was trying to do in the first place. Well, isn't there also a cocktail called the Vesper, Jeff? Yeah. So the, the well, the classic drink is vodka, gin, and, and Lillet. So that's that's a little bit different. But remember, Sean Connery never drank a Vesper. Right. But was the drink inspired by the love interest of James Bond? It was Vesper Lynn. Remember, he doesn't drink that drink in the movies until Daniel Craig way back, way, way, way further later on. Right. By the way, if you are going to try a martini and you're not, you know, you're not 100% sold on trying a full gin martini, try a Vespa with Grey Whale. I think what you'll find is the, the vodka tends to spread out our botanicals and make them a little bit easier for you to pick out. And it actually complements it wonderfully well. So I, I highly recommend that. Just kind of softens out the palate a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it spreads it out. And if, if you think about water as just kind of diluting and allowing you to be able to taste those nuances, this is <laughs> this is using vodka as your water, if you like, to, to keep the alcohol up there, but you still tend to oddly enough, spread out the, the botanicals and you can taste them easier. So just to be clear, the secret agent from the Geico commercial says stir, not shake, right? <laughs> he does. Worry about tomorrow, think of what today. Thank you for joining us for season two of the Barfly Podcast. We will be returning in early 2021 for season three with new guests and new topics. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.